I want to say good morning, church. Also, I um, want to start off by, first of all, giving Pastor Taylor, um, just giving him uh, thanks for giving me the privilege to teach this morning. Um, despite everything, he's trusted me to give the word. Uh, this, despite, <laughs> despite all our 501 meetings and me being re- the rebellious one, he uh, put the word of God in my hand. I want to thank you all, um, because even though you saw me on the, uh, on the schedule last week, you guys showed up. So I'm glad that you guys are here. Today we're going <laughs> to today we're going to talk about. Um, well, before I get there, um, some friends and I, we um, we watch football often. And uh, last week we were watching uh, two football games. And um, as we were watching those games, I noticed a question came across the, the screen. And I'm not sure if they caught it, but I caught it. The question was this. It says, who will be the greatest? Okay? Who will be the greatest? And that is going to serve as our title today. Um, And this has been an argument, a lifetime argument. Um, Even today, um, men. Men are notorious for comparing everything. I could throw this rock the furthest than you can throw. I could throw this football farther than you can throw. The Dallas Cowboys are the greatest team in America. Yeah, right. (laughs) You know, it is competition among men. (laughs) And so it's just it is in the nature of a man to be competitive. That's just how we are. You see babies with these bibs on that says world's what? Greatest dad. Right. We're just competitive in our nature. But what we really want to know as believers is this. What does God say about greatness? What is God's standard of greatness? We're going to look at a couple of things. One is we're going to find out that answer in a little bit. We're going to find out what is God's standard of great. We're going to look at two standards of greatness. We're going to look at man's standard of greatness. And then we're going to look at God's standard of greatness. And then I'm going to provide you all with the ultimate example of greatness. Are you ready for it? All right. Um, where's Chad at? Oh, he's in children's church. Okay. We're going to turn, first of all, let's go to Matthew 23, 11. And we're going to answer that question. Or what does God say who's the greatest? Matthew 23, 11. Says this. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. That's a scary word in America. It really is, honestly. And it was a scary word back then. Um, If you turn with me, we're going now we're going to go to Mark. And this is where we're going to camp out, camp out at for a little bit. We're going to go to Mark chapter 10. Verses 41 through 45. In this passage, um, we had two brothers, James and John. Before we go to this verse, I'm going to give you a little background on what was going on. James and John wanted to sit at the right hand of the, of, of, of the father. And um, Jesus told them, you do not know what you're asking. Okay. And it goes on and on. And they have this great argument about basically that's how the argument came up of who will be the greatest. 
Jesus goes on and, te- and, and, and tells them, well, before we get there, we'll start at verse 41. And when, he, and when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly dis- displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be your slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And that's the word of God. Amen. Um, let's first of all, you know, we see here that even back then, the men of that day were competing to a certain degree. I want to sit at Jesus right hand. Now, I'm, I'm closer to Jesus. I'm, I'm, I want to be there. But those positions, they, don't, they did not know what they were asking for. So let's first of all take a look at what the world considers great. Okay, according to this passage, we're going to go in verses Matthew, Mark um, 10, uh, 41, verses 41 and 42. Uh, well, let's just do 42. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Basically, the world standard of greatness is power. Okay? And that's what the world considers, uh, that's, that's what they consider greatness, having power. The test is this. How many people does a man control? How great an army of servants has he at his beck and call? On how many people can he impose his will? How many people can he compel to be obedient to his word of command and do things for him? That is what greatness is from a worldly point of view. It is very so much self-centered. Okay? And that's what um, so many of us men, we have this whole thing of greatness and leadership wrong. I don't know if you guys ever met some people or some men, we're going to pick on the men today, right? Okay, ladies? <laughs> I am confused when I meet a man that has to constantly say, I'm the leader of this home. I don't understand that. Because you should never have to say that. You should lead by example, right? Okay, all the men got quiet. <laughs> don't, don't mess with your husbands, ladies. Um, the, the world standard of greatness is power. But... Let's find out what Jesus' standard of greatness is. The Jesus' standard of greatness is service. Verses 43 and 44 says, Yet it shall not be so among you. In other words, the Christian life should be contrary to the world life. Um, if you think about many of the statements that has been said here, it seems like it's a contradiction. It's really what people would call a paradox. You got... The servant shall be the greatest. Really? Servant, greatest, the greatest? You got, um, um, if you want to be like Jesus, you have to become a child. An adult becomes like a child. That's really paradoxical. But it seems contra- contrary, but it's not. It's, it really should be the standard. The standard should be service. That's what Jesus modeled. And Jesus' standard of greatness is definitely service, and he says to, to the Christian, 
people, yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you wishes to be first shall be slave of all. In other words, if you are the leader, you also need to be the slave. Now, that don't sound right. The slave's position in the, in the, in the household or the family was what? He was very last. Very, he's in last position. So if you want to become great, you got to become least. <laughs> I got my English teachers out there correcting everything I'm saying. Thank God for them. Um, great, great, <clears throat> greatness consists not in reducing other men to one's service, but in reducing oneself to their service. That's worth writing down. I'll say it again. Greatness consists not in reducing other men to one's service, but in reducing oneself to their service. That's true greatness. That's, that's, that's Christ's standard of greatness, reducing yourself to their standard, to their service, sorry. Um, the test is not what service can I get, but what service can I give? As you think about yourself, and as, as you think about, you know, what is God calling me to do? Really think about, is it always about me or is it about others? When, I hang, when I'm hanging out with my friends, is it always about the movie I want to see or is it about others? When I'm going out to a restaurant with friends, is it always about what restaurant I want to go to or is it about others? I'm not much of a... Um, um, I don't, certain foods I just don't like, but I'll take one for the team every now and again. I'll take one for, for the team. I won't say what kind I don't like, but I will take one for the team just uh, because I feel like that's what we're called to do. As we um, continue in this message, we're going to look at the ultimate example of true greatness, which is Jesus Christ. In verse 45, it says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The word serve there is that word diakonero. It's a very interesting word in the Greek. In the Greek, that word means to be, to be an attendant or to wait on tables. Now that really gives you the picture of what service, serving is all about. You say, wait on tables. I ain't waiting on nobody's table. But this is, it just gives you the picture of what true service is really all about. It's not about me. Jesus, when, we, when you got saved, he didn't just save you to be about you. He wanted you to, what? Be fishers of what? A man. Bring somebody else on in. Um, we're going to look at our ultimate example, Jesus Christ, and, and turn to uh, Philippians chapter 2. Verses 1 through 8. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. It says this. Oops. It says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any affection and mercy, 
fulfill my joy and be and being like minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. I'll read that again. Let each esteem others better than himself. Focus is not on self. It's the focus is on others. Um, it says, let each of you look, not, look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. What greater service, what greater service could a man offer than giving his life for all of us that we may be reconciled unto God? When I think about what Christ has done for us, Jesus was not a person that just, he wasn't about lip service. He walked it out daily. He bore the cross for us. He didn't have to do it. He could have called a legion of angels and said, away with these men. He could have done it. But he died for us that we might live with him in eternity someday. Again, we'll go to um, Matthew. We'll go to Matthew chapter 23. We're going to look at verse 12. It reads this. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Man, that that verse really speaks to me. (laughs) It really speaks to me because oftentimes we could get wrapped up in ourselves. We could say, um, I'm the greatest card player or I'm the, the greatest basketball player. But we just had a, a, a phenomenal example of that in the athletic world recently. I'm sure everybody's by now is, a, is familiar with Tebow. If you don't know, ask Brandy. <laughs> She'll tell you everything about him. But Tebow, when he has won many games for the Denver Broncos, has always given credit to others. It was never, oh, man, it was about me. I threw the winning touchdown pass. No, it's more like, hey, man, thank you guys for blocking. Without you guys, we wouldn't have got here. He, took the, he never really took credit. Oh, man, you guys did a fine job um, catching that ball, blocking here. Man, it was the defense taking, taking, all, taking the spotlight off him and putting it on the team, because it's not about him. A personal example in my life was a man by the name of Dan Fowler. When I, um, this was in 2000 and, 2003, 2003. Um, I worked for many, I have worked for many supervisors in my life, but when I saw uh, Dan um, he became my supervisor. Dan was the type of guy that always led by example. He was the supervisor, 
but I would see him sweeping floors. And he didn't see me doing this, but I would scratch my head. He's the supervisor and can say, you sweep the floor. And I work in a group home, if you don't know. I work in a group home, and when we get a new intake, it's not the supervisor's responsibility to do the intake. It's the caseworkers or the youth counselors to do it. But oftentimes, I would see Dan take, take on that responsibility. I would see Dan fixing up the uh, group home if it needed some paint here. Early in the morning, he's be, he'll be painting. He'll be sweeping. I mean, he'll be doing those, the least of those things. And it just really made a real impact on me. Never really having a father figure in my life, I was just like, it had that wow effect. Like, man, really? I've never had a supervisor that led by example first. There was that servant leader. And I, it just made me one day, I tried to do it nonchalantly. I said, Dan, did you go to church? I didn't want to ask him, was he a straight-up Christian? I just said, Dan, did you go to church? I just, I, I'm just like, I'm really wowed by it. So I had to just kind of try to play it off by asking, Dan, you go to a church around here? And Dan was the type of person, he didn't preach the gospel, he just walked it. Of course, he eventually told me he did go to church, but he would never really preach it like in Jesus' name. He wouldn't be, hallelujah, brother, just a regular old guy, just doing just the ordinary things and doing the least of them things from a supervisor's point of view. And it just kind of drew me. Serving, serving people is very attractive, okay? Now, some of us have been ruined by the idea of serving whether we have grown up and we had to serve our moms or serve our dads or serve some guy or serve some woman, serving is like, really? You know, especially um, some, for some of us that are married and some of us are single, serving a man is be like, I ain't serving no man. For what? He better serve me. <laughs> right? Let's, let's just be honest about it. Okay? Let's be honest about it. In many cases, that's the case. But that's not the attitude Jesus has. Jesus says, what can I do for you? Our attitude should be that of Christ. And if we're going to make Christianity more attractive, we need to serve. You know what a serving is? Serving is like a magnet. It's, very, it's so attractive. When I see a, I'm a, I'm a single guy, um, single guy, um, I'm available. Uh, <laughs> and I like to serve. And so, um, Serving is very attractive. When I see a woman, for those that are single, when I see a woman out there serving, serving is so attractive. It's not because I want her to serve me. That's not it. It's just about what you do for others. When I meet or met different ladies and they tell me, and and some of them are taking, I'll see some of them in Walmart and they'll have some kids with them and they're not their kids. I'm like, wow. You're taking care of somebody else's kids. That shows me a little bit about your heart. You could have been doing something else, but you chose to pick up Sally's kids and take care of them for the day. That's like, what are you doing for others? It's like, wow. That's the big hit on my list. Are you other people oriented? Um, let's look at the, now let's pick on the married people for just a little bit. How many married couples do we got out here? Ooh, just about everybody here. (laughs) What's in the water? (laughs) Men, guys, don't answer this question, but I'm just curious. With the state of marriages these days, 
I'm wondering what's lacking. I'm puzzled. Eventually, one of these days, I want to go into marriage counseling. And I'm so puzzled by the number of divorces that we have, the number of Christian couples that are struggling. And I'm, I'm really puzzled. I might be oblivious about marriage. And, I, and some people say, Jerry, you have a fantasy point of view of marriage. And, and, and I, I hope it stays that way <laughs> when I get married. But what's missing, one thing that's probably missing in a marriage is service. Do you remember when you first met that woman or when you first met that man? You know, you served them in some form or fashion. You will wash her car without her even asking. You will make him a meal without him even asking. Now, if I was to ask you guys, when was the last time you washed your wife's car? Don't answer it. But you will have to answer after this message because she's going to say, because <laughs> she's going to make sure you wash her car because she's going to say, I believe the Lord is speaking to you. No, but, but honestly, if you want your marriage to be great, I would challenge anybody that's married to start serving each other. Put yourself last. Make yourself a slave. Put the other person first. Amen? I, I, and I, I believe that you will, get, you will have a better marriage, potentially great, if you will start serving each other more. You get mad because she don't cook dinner for you. It's okay. Cook it for her. Okay? Men, I want, I want the men to take on a bigger responsibility, all right? Because, after all, you are the head of the house, and you should be leading by example. And if you, if you want her to do those things, are you doing those things? I guarantee you it will, just like that, the impact that my supervisor ha- had on me, you would wow her if she saw you in the kitchen. You would just wow her. She'd be like, really? You might not be the best cook, but put something together. <laughs> get a cookbook. You don't have to be the greatest cook. Get a cook- cookbook. If you could follow directions, two tablespoons of this, a cup, a cup of this, if you could follow directions, you could cook. Now, my cooking friends, they, they tell me I, I got that wrong. <laughs> I, won't, I won't say her name, but she tell me I got it all wrong. <laughs> she said, there's more to it than that, than following directions. I said, okay. But I really want to challenge you, ladies, same thing for the ladies. Believe it or not, as strong as we men are, we can be very sensitive, too. We just kind of try to hide it. We try to cover it up. And so we appear to be stronger than what we are. But we got feelings. We got, you know, things bother us, too. And so serve your, serve your husbands, you know. He might not want to ask you because he might be prideful. But do the things that you know to do. And your marriage will take off. I want to challenge anybody that's married to put this in their marriage if it's lacking. Serving each other. Putting the other person first. And I want to see, I'll be curious what step your marriage goes to. Um, singles. You say, I'm single. I don't have anybody to serve. Well, that's not true. Number one, we should all be serving the Lord. Amen? All right, we should all be serving the Lord. Two is serve your, your, your family. In what ways can you serve your family? In what ways can you be of service to them? In what ways are you of service to the people at your job? When you are at work, are you the first one to always clock out? Or do you give the, go the extra mile? If your boss say, 
I need you to stay a little bit. Are you like, no, I can't, I need to go? Or do you say, sure, How, what can I do? What's your attitude on serving? Is it that of Christ? Is it that of the world? Um, the church. The church. There's plenty of work that needs to be done in the church. Will we all agree? But the Bible tells us this. The what are few? The laborers. We need more people to labor in Christ with this. When uh, the young adults clean this church, and I've shared this field with them already, we clean it on the fifth Sunday. Um, when I ask people to help, can they, are they available to help clean the church? It's not that you're helping me. Even though I organize it, you're not helping me. This is your work unto God. And that's why I do. I don't do it because I want anything else. I'm like, I, this is my way I can give back to God. Help me clean the church. I know the pastor needs it. There's other things in the church that's needed. The children's ministry needs plenty of people to help. You say, well, I'm not a teacher. Well, we can teach you to teach. Okay? We'll teach you to teach. Greeters, ushers, um, choir members. There's things to be done. You say, I can't do none of those things. Can you stuff an envelope? If you can do that, we can use it. Okay, because there's plenty of administrative work to be done. I guarantee you there's, not, there's something in here everybody can do. And if you are not involved in your local church, I want to challenge you before God to ask God, what can I do for my local church? Well, you say, I'm already singing. Okay, that's good. You want a cookie? There's more things to be done. And so I really want us as the body of Christ, to see how can we serve more. Serving is so attractive. And if we would just humble ourselves before the Lord, we will be exalted in due time. I want to take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And verse 5. says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your bond servants for Jesus' sake. We were all bought for a price. And we're bond servants for Jesus' sake. This is not about me. This is not about Pastor Taylor. This is not about um, Elder John or Elder Sam or Elder Chad. It's not about anybody. It's about what we do for the Lord. And when it's all said and done, we have to give an account to him. And just like in Philippians says, let this mind be in you, let Christ's mind be in you. Let's start serving each other. Serving the Lord with gladness. I'm going to leave you with this quote and we're done. It says, <clears throat> it says, others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be, help me to live for others that I may live like thee.
I'll say it again. Others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be, help me to live for others that I, that I might live like thee. Thank you all for um, sharing in this message with me, and thank you for your prayers.